Hello and welcome everybody to the Average Joe Music Show. We're here again another week. Garrett, Cam, and I, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Another day, <laughs> another dollar. You know, all the old uh, idioms. Um, grind, grinding it out, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do what you do, right? You do what yeah. you can do. Uh, and I'm Creighton, obviously. Uh, and we always uh, get together here, talk a little bit about some music and... Um, yeah, this week we have Scott Walker, which was my choice uh, to talk about. And um, I honestly, I, I remember hearing one of Scott Walker's songs way back in the day, um, On Your Own Again is oh, the name sure. of the song. Yeah. And so I heard On, on Your Own Again uh, a, a long time ago, and I couldn't, I just, I remember hearing it. I don't remember, just kind of. Out in a, I don't remember where I heard it, but I remember trying to find that song over and over again because um, I just thought it was like it just that song just had like such an effect on me, and I never really figured out who it was until um, one day I was like recommended a uh, a Radiohead interview video on YouTube. Uh, sure. talking about scott walker and it was from the film the documentary made about him 30th century man mm -hmm. um and like they just kind of and that's where i was like oh that's that's that song and um from there like i i was just yeah like i just couldn't uh, get enough and i just i to this day like he's just one of those like musicians that i'm constantly coming back to um one thing I will say, and I included this kind of in our discussion, but De Scott Walker definitely lost me <laughs> within like his like recent <laughs> stuff. Uh, the avant-garde kind of stuff for me, it just, it's way hard for me to really uh, <laughs> relate to that. But, sure. um, but I do see the, I, I can see like what he's doing. It's, it's, um, you know, it's while it sounds out there, he knows what he's doing, and uh, it, it's just for me those those first four in particular, Scott one through four, were just incredible. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And uh, I just the thing, and this was actually something that they mentioned in that interview, that Radiohead interview, that I totally connect with. That for me, it's like you can kind of give that to you can put Scott Walker on for an older generation. And they can listen to it and get into it, but you can kind of get into it because somehow there's a little bit of an edge there. Although he kind of has that um, kind of that classic baritone voice and all of that. Mm -hmm. He has a little bit of an edge that still can grab you and pull you in like the younger generation and, and all of that. But for me, like I, I just and like, like there's just something where, all his songs have like little things in them that just always, always get me. I mean, yeah, it's like there's, there's, there's kind of a lot uh, to unpack, I guess, with his whole career. Um, I, I think uh, it'd be good 
to mention just like a couple of basics here. Like um, I think he starts uh, his music career in maybe the late fifties or something. The Walker brothers yeah. kind of start up in the sixties, um, early sixties, something like that. Um, and, and they're kind of more of like, so uh, what was the name of that documentary? I think they mentioned uh, 30th century man is the name of it. Yeah. A real great place to start with like trying to uh, get a, you know, a grasp or an idea of what his career and his music is. So somebody from the Walker brothers, which, you know, is a band that uh, they all, you know, they all take the last name, you know, as a stage name Walker, but none of them are named Walker or, um, or or our brothers. One of them mentioned from the band, you know, they're kind of trying to follow on the success of like the Beatles and the stones a little bit. Um, but it's it's like in that vein where it's uh, you know just kind of like 60s pop with you know a yeah. little bit of soul a little bit of like you know kind of guitar work and stuff like a lot of that classic like um, California kind of 60s pop sound um, yep. but with like a little bit of Baroque pop mixed in there a little bit of country and he kind of was it Scott Walker was at first kind of like their reluctant singer um that that's not what he got into the band for from my understanding and um just turned out that he had you know this beautiful like you know he definitely uh has a little bit of a frank sinatra edge to him you can tell he grew up on a lot of that 40s 50s sort of um rat pat type pop music um, that also informs a lot of his music going forward, I think, where it's just, you know, the inclusion of a lot of these strings um, and, and elements that kind of make some of his music Baroque pop. But um, yeah, I and mean, they made it big with uh, The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. That right. was like their, their big tune. I think you could almost call the Walker Brothers a one hit wonder because, I mean, you're looking at like 16 million views on that song compared to their next biggest one four million so and then that's like that's where it drops off to like a (laughs) hundred thousand like (laughs) so like it's like they definitely weren't very prolific in the sense of like their um you know like like uh, as far as like pop music of the day goes they they weren't like any beatles or or beach boys or anything like that but um they definitely had their hit (laughs) which still makes it on to plenty of spotify playlists Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I think, I don't know, there's like kind of a few directions we can go from there. Um, I think we could talk about uh, night flights if you want to. We could talk about like Scott's kind of early solo career. Um, well, yeah. So, I mean, I, from my understanding, he he ventured off from the Walker brothers cause he just wasn't what he necessarily wanted to do musically, uh, went to Europe, did his own career, which we'll get into, came back with the Walker brothers and they recorded one or two albums, if I'm correct. Uh, and night flights is one of them. That album is, is awesome. It's I mean, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really it's, cool. It's definitely like, you know, you, if if you were like, oh, yay, another Walker Brothers album back in 1978, you were probably in for a wild surprise because it was definitely not what I think anybody of the fan of the fan base of the bands back when they were big would have like been, you know, ready for that. But um, 
I mean, you have like like David Bowie covered "Night Flights" the song, um, and uh, there's just you know, it's it's definitely like an album to check out. Um, even if you're like, if you hear like the sun ain't gonna shine anymore, or something yeah. like, oh, that's a little too foo foo for me. I'm gonna like "Night Flights" is definitely like a whole other world from that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I'm not overly familiar with the Walker Brothers discography. I kind of know some of Me the either. hits a little <laughs> bit. And, and really in general coming into a lot of this, Scott Walker has always been a guy in general that just kind of I, I guess I find intimidating artistically where yeah. it's just like I, you know, I, I was familiar with a handful of things but just was kind of like, you know, I just it never Nothing ever really clicked for me, and I'm still trying to decide uh, if he has or not in general. Because <laughs> there, oh, you know, yeah. th- there's such a he, he, he's made such a wide variety of stuff. Um, uh, but that Night Flights album, that's uh, 1978, when he gets back mm-hmm. with them and does that, is really yeah. It's um, not like anything else they had put out. It's got like a lot of the sort of new wave stuff that you start to hear more in the 80s um you know more synthesizers more kind of just like really hot guitars and um just it's uh he came back locked and loaded ready to like yeah make an uh an avant-garde album which uh you know makes kind of sense given that he'd already i think done the first scott one through four come out in uh, 1967 to 1969, which is like a real Beatles-esque run of albums where yeah, it's uh, there's not a ton of bands or artists or whatever that, you know, put out a run of albums that quickly together. He put out like four pretty big records in three years. Yeah. I mean, just like back to back, like 1967 Scott, 1967, 1968 Scott two, 1969 Scott three, 1969 Scott four, and then 1970 till the band comes in, and then there's that gap. But yeah, you have that those Walker Brother albums in between there. Right, and uh, to that gap, I understand that uh, in the 70s uh, he was putting out a bunch of albums, kind of like to fulfill contracts that are basically out of circulation like you can't find them anywhere i haven't particularly put in the work to find them um because he you know he he's a real um artsy fartsy kind of guy and uh disavows basically all of his albums from that period so it's just like yeah eh, you know if, if he doesn't stand by him what's you know what's the point there might be some interesting stuff there but yeah and i think that and so on the, after that uh he kind of really goes out on a whim and yeah. <laughs> he cams over there nodding his head like yeah i mean to the point of i believe on the drift or tilt like the percussion is literally just him like hitting a piece of meat right or yeah something. They, uh, <laughs> that's in the documentary they bring in some uh yeah. like percussionist just to like punch a you know like a piece of beef or something <laughs> yeah and uh man uh i mean it's it's an interesting period i kind of became uh familiar with him uh with that uh 
Bish Bosh album. So that is 2012, um, which is like his career is kind of broken up into chunks, especially since like, you know, not counting the, you know, stuff that he's kind of disavowed. There's really, you know, a, a, a couple of pretty significant periods of output of music. And uh, the Bish Bosh is kind of like the third of what's considered sort of a trilogy of his music because 1995, he puts out Tilt. 2006, he puts out The Drift. 2012, he puts out Bish Bosh. Um, mm-hmm. And other than, you know, like a couple of side projects and like a, um, a, a soundtrack he was working on, there's kind of not a lot of stuff in between those. Um, and that marks a point in his career for sure where he's like, um, yeah, like I said, Bish Bosh is kind of where I discovered him. And it's um, somebody in that documentary is interviewing him and um kind of gives him this question of like so i don't know that i'd call you know this was speaking on uh the, the first one of that trilogy tilt i believe um they're like i don't know that i would necessarily call these songs like what would you describe this as mm-hmm. and um bowie also says in that documentary that it's like i'm not really sure what scott's songs are about (laughs) that it's like um that i think that kind of (laughs) really well describes like the you know the the latter portion of his career kind of you know these final albums where they're extremely like i i do think they're still songs you know i i think it's maybe a little bit dismissive to say otherwise but like they are definitely he takes this turn of um into making like what i can best describe as like horror film ambiance kind of yeah it's like haunted house music or something yeah exactly um yeah if you wanted to like freak people out on halloween night like just put this outside your house like you wouldn't even have to put up decorations man just play any one of those latter albums in your set but still with like this really you know bright voice and i think that's kind of what like ties a lot of his music together is the fact that you know he's his vocal like his his style of vocalization never really particularly changes mm-hmm. you know i think the subject matter kind of goes back and forth which is maybe an interesting um way to tie in um the the first four albums scott one through four because um yeah and, and that's where i want to focus this episode for sure because that's to me those are the albums that i really care about um i i don't listen to any of his later stuff like i just can't like it's just not but i mean there's maybe some things in there that i could probably enjoy if i but i i i I, honestly like there's so much stuff in the world that like scott's later and there's so much avant-garde that actually like i can get into and enjoy like when it comes to like the jazz world like i can enjoy like cecil taylor or john coltrane's like interstellar space stuff like that like i can get into but this kind of like i don't know this this <laughs> and i mean even when it comes to like horror stuff you know like 
you've got like uh, Kevin Key from like uh, Skinny Puppy who does kind of some horror ambient sure. um, stuff like that on the side. There's like a lot of stuff like that that I can really get into. But as far like just like the no melody, you know, meat slapping stuff, like it's just not <laughs> really quite going to do it for me. But those first four albums of his and even when it comes to like Till the Band Comes In, The Climate of the Hunter, there's some deep, there's some good stuff in there too. But mm-hmm. Scott one through four is what I, I wanted to kind of focus because for me, those were the ones that just like did it for me. And um, I mean, the Walker brothers, I do really like night flights, but even then uh, it's really not the most accessible album. And it's not one that I'm constantly coming back to like these four. Um but yeah, I mean, I just, there's, it's kind of like I was saying, there's just like this edge to everything that he does that just really works for like a cross-generational thing. You know, the your, you know, your family or whoever that listens to Sinatra could get into Scott Walker, but you could probably too, because of what he kind of sings about and, and different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, from that, I mean, that first album, I'm just looking through it and mm-hmm. I mean, there's really not even as far as I'm concerned, like a dud on that album. Um, and there's not a lot throughout those first four albums. I don't know. Um, I know I put like a playlist together for you guys mm-hmm. and like, obviously you can tell what I wanted to focus on because um i think i put like three to four songs of each of these ones in there and then like one from each of the other so you could kind of get an idea of what was going on mm-hmm. in his career but um but these four i mean i like just going through them i mean you could just listen to them straight through and there's not a lot to throw away you know there's not a lot of like like you can tell like, and which is surprising with how quickly they were all put together you know is and that's something i didn't notice before garrett like <laughs> the fact that uh he put those together within like you know years of each other mm-hmm. and i mean granted he is singing um other people's songs particularly jack Rell from uh i believe he's a french singer yeah belgian um, um oh yeah kind of a uh, a famed uh like belgian songwriter and they they kind of cover this in that documentary but it's like um it was just this kind of weird happenstance thing of scott happened to be in europe and um found out about jacques brel's music and um just kind of coincidentally runs into some he's like some producer or record label guy something like that um who is like oh it's you know it's funny you mentioned Jacques Brel because I happen to have like so Jacques Brel being you know this kind of really dramatic um Belgian singer songwriter you know it's it's all in French and um some guy had just like translated the the French songs into English and he was like oh I just happen to have like these demos of the first um you know English translations of these songs um, and he hands him over to Scott Walker, uh, which becomes, yes, the the basis for um, quite a few songs uh, on uh, one through three, um, mm-hmm. 
which ends up then they uh, end up doing a release later on called oh let's see Scott Walker sings Jack Burrell that's is it. that the one yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where they basically compile all those songs from the first three albums that are the Jacques Burrell covers yeah. which it's like I even think maybe a bit um, disingenuous to call them covers because it's like there's a ton of stuff on really particularly the first two albums are really filled with you know a lot of music that is you know is written by other people but he brought in a lot of talent to do yeah for real huge arrangements and like really cool um you know takes on these songs um um i i don't know how do you feel how do you feel in general about those first couple like Scott one and two. Um, so I, I like Scott one and two quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, two is probably, uh, that one's one that I don't like. I have songs I really love from that one, but it's not like, that's not one I would be like running to go by. Yeah. Um, sure. But like, uh, of course, Jackie is an amazing song. I love black sheep boy. Um, yeah. uh, and I'm trying to remember some of the others. The bridge is another one I like from that one. Um, as far as Scott one goes, uh, I pretty much like everything on here. I mean, it, it starts off with the three, uh, Matilda, uh, Montague Terrace and blue and Ange- uh, Angelica, which I think are all great songs. Yes. Um, and then kind of, um, kind of scattered throughout there. There's a lot that I, I love the last song, Amsterdam. And yeah, my I, and my death. Yeah, I actually kind of wanted to talk about uh, Amsterdam a little bit. For uh, sure, yeah, it's a great song. I don't remember if that's a Jacques Brel or somebody else. Um, that is a Jacques. It is Brel. A Jacques Brel. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I, I would say quite a few things on particularly Scott One have this real Tom Waitsy quality, which obviously Tom Waits. It is a is a little bit after Scott, but um, there's a there's a quality of particularly a lot of the songs on this first album, and even some on the second, where they're like, um, so Amsterdam is kind of a song about like a, a sailor, use, yeah, that... just yeah, sailor, but like kind of a crude man, like yeah, there's there's mm-hmm. sort of a depravity to some of these songs where he's like you know putting himself in the the place of a character somewhat which is mm-hmm. you know it's obviously a, a Jacques Brel song but it's like there uh there is kind of that through line of the first couple in particular of like they're a little bit more kind of storytelling I guess is like what he gravitates yeah. towards um for his uh selections for you know the things they arranged and um even even the the songs he wrote I think there's a, a number of songs here uh, between the first two that are, you know, you know, Matilda, Angelica, mm-hmm. Jackie. Like, th- there's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a, a real run of these kind of like unrequited love storytelling kind of thing. Um, z- stories a little bit about you know kind of unsavory characters, and but I think especially when he starts writing a lot more of the material for three and four, it gets into kind of some different territory. Do you have any? Uh... 
Definitely. I mean, and I would have to say, like, I pull a lot more from Scott three and four than anything else. And if I could buy one Scott Walker album, I don't have any currently, it would definitely be Scott four. Yes. Um, I think that album is just fantastic. Um, but I think real quick, cause Cam, you're like completely new to this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So kind of like w- wondering like what were your thoughts going through the playlist or like, did any of this catch your attention at all? Um, I mean, we're coming, you know, definitely a completely different space from last last episode with hardcore coming into Scott Walker, <laughs> and that was your choice. So I'm just curious, like, what was um, what was your impression? Is like kind of going through the playlist or whatnot uh, with this. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely unfamiliar with Scott Walker uh, up until a couple days ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think out of that playlist that you put on, um, I like the Walker Brothers stuff the most. Uh, Yeah. And as I was was listening to it, I think I had heard The Electrician. Yeah, I think one of their top songs. I mean, mean, when I was looking at it earlier, it had like, if you look at that album, that has like it's like a big gap of like listenings on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was on the soundtrack or a you know a TV mm-hmm. show or I know I had heard it somewhere. Um, I thought that one was pretty good, but um, you know, in watching that documentary, it was I'm like, wow, how have I not heard this guy? But then again, yeah. it's like he's a, a recluse, <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, just a yeah interesting deal, but like. I think it's cool that he, you know, he was obviously about the music, not about the fame. And it seemed like he really did not like the whole fame element. No, and like if you try to like look up anything on light. YouTube of him like live, you'll find not like much. one TV appearance. If like, it, yeah, it's Jules like Holland, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's the only thing. So it's interesting you mentioned that because that's so true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally, you know, the whole like, crooner voice kind of thing mm-hmm. not what i normally pick out but uh but it seems like the guy knows what he's doing <laughs> you know i mean yeah i mean i have to agree like i'm deaf for me i definitely don't go jumping towards a lot of that either um you know like i i don't listen to a lot of frank sinatra really at all you know like um i just it never resonated with me i don't know why scott walker did but I, I think a lot of that has to do with kind of like we were saying previously, Scott four. Um, yeah. Just, it, it just took a different turn. Like you said, Garrett, um, I don't know necessarily what that is. I don't know if you could put that into words, but it maybe just, um, it kind of came away from that very like European orchestral um, thing and kind of brought it I think Scott three and four kind of brought stuff, not minimalistic, but much more contained in the way of like, uh, you know, um, 30th century man is only a guitar. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. on your own again, is kind of just a guitar and some strings do come in, but you know, uh, definitely the big walls of sound throughout those entire albums, but not yeah. quite, um, not quite like that entire like European, you know, big singer kind of orchestral thing anymore as Scott one and two were. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm still kind of like really wrapping my head around his whole thing in general, but yeah, I'll, I'll put it yep. this way and see if this resonates with you or gives you any thoughts. I I find that like the first two in particular, it's hard for me to really say anything bad about them because um, yeah. there, there's a lot of really good stuff on there and you know i think it's maybe outside of a lot of people's diet in general kind of this baroque pop type music um which is you know pop music but with kind of an emphasis on arrangements with um strings and some horns and you know um, mm -hmm. things of that nature there's sort of an inconsistent element on those first two where I find um, him singing other people's songs may have a little bit to do with it, but there's like sort of, I think even aesthetically, a, a little bit of this thing where it's like just the way he sings, like this sort of baritone range with, you know, really dramatic vibrato. And then also kind of you add a lot of the subject matter of those first two that they sort of, have this real um like i'm even taking this from the documentary a little bit too but there's like a daytime soap opera kind of element to it a little bit mm, that makes okay yeah them really good in their own right but i they, they feel kind of scattershot overall mm -hmm. where it's like i could definitely see what you're saying before even kind of doing some of my research just listening to them they didn't feel particularly cohesive in any real way and I, I feel that way a little bit still. Um, there, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of glue holding these different elements together. Um, whereas I think that as you get into three and especially four, where he's, you know, doing more of the writing, more of the arranging, he starts to find this real groove of being able to I guess use those elements to his advantage where it's like particularly on four you're talking you know the opening two tracks the seventh seal on your own again and a, a lot of that stuff on the back half have this real kind of like i don't know how to describe it other than it feels just sort of cosmic and there's some sort mm -hmm. of like um the strings and just the drama of his um, his voice and like the way he sings and everything. And like a lot of the stuff he's singing about too, like four especially is where he starts to get into some really esoteric stuff where I honestly yeah. kind of am not sure what any of these songs are about. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Like I, I found all of his music just very disconcerting or like it kind of yes. put me on edge. Yeah, you know? that's a good word and, for it. it. It, it really is that like there's something even though his voice is really beautiful i think like he starts to tap into a thing here especially on four and then you know all of his subsequent stuff throughout his career after where he starts to use his voice for like a really sort of haunting effect like where it's beautiful for sure but where it sits in the mix and the arrangements yeah. on these songs is really pretty haunting it's like you know yeah, if, I mean, if if like a ghost was to sing kind of yeah thing. yeah for sure <laughs> yeah i mean i played the seventh seal. i remember the first time i was playing the seventh seal and um 
my wife was around and she goes, man, this is just sad, <laughs> you know, cause the song is about, you know, a guy who like, what, like plays chess with death or something like that. And death somehow beats him. And it kind of like at the ending, if I'm, I, I feel like I, maybe I'm getting it wrong, but the ending somehow makes it seem like it's maybe like his torment in hell like he constantly has to be playing chess like against death and just losing like by the but yeah i remember her saying that being like i this is really kind of a downer and then i remember you know playing the old man's back again once and i had some people around and everyone was like i was like oh they're like well like the baseline's nice (laughs) yeah I, i was like it is nice but like I, I was just kind of like, I was infatuated with that song. I didn't quite, to me, it never really quite haunted me, but everybody around me was like, that's just kind of, yeah, very esoteric, I guess, is like you were saying. Yeah, um, especially on the back half of four, like you were saying, the old man's oh. back again, and like, get behind me in particular, you get some of these really nice, like, bass grooves where he's kind of reaching uh-huh. back in his career and I think like drawing on some of these like more soulful influences that um, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. If, uh, if you listen to th- this episode and you want to just check out any one thing, I would say Scott for for sure is like a pretty yep. extraordinary piece. I would agree with that. And I, I honestly think that's a great place to, a- to end um, just kind of giving an overview of his career and uh, hopefully steering people the right direction is my, my hope in this because um, like I definitely wouldn't want someone to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go listen to Scott Walker and then be like, I'll listen to his most recent thing. And, and they put on like bish Bosch, you know, <laughs> it's just or, not, um, like, or like <laughs> the, the sun, uh, the album he did with sun. Oh, I also want to give a shout out as like a pretty oh, cool. If yeah, you're looking yeah. for extremely like experimental weird stuff, that's yeah. just going to like give you chills and thrills <laughs> kind of, <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of that later stuff in his discography does that. Um, it is real weird, and I would agree with that. Like, if you do want to listen to some Avantgarde, I would start with the one like you mentioned, the one with Sun L. I think that one's maybe slightly uh, more accessible than any of the other three. Bish Bosh, The Drift and Tilt. But yeah, I, I mean, just going back to like what we said, if you want to go, if you want to listen to anything of Scott Walker, Scott Four is by far. I would say that's his masterpiece. That's his crowning jewel. Absolutely. And, and like he, like if, if he had just put out that one album, like he would be deserved of like his fame still. Like, I don't want to like be like, that's the only good thing guys. Like, but um, as far as like, just all the way through really good, that's the one. Um, but like, if you are looking for something like slightly more heavy or more, um, you know, newer sounding, then definitely do the Walker Brothers um, Night, Night Flights. Flight. Yes, yeah, I mean that cool. one, That one's really cool. It's it, it sounds much more contemporary than any of these. I mean, even today, it sounds pretty contemporary. Like for the fact that that was recorded in the eighties, is pretty pretty crazy to me. Like I hear some of those songs, and I said, "Wow, that, you know, there's like some stuff on there that's pretty ahead of its time." Like some like. Uh, and Scott Walker actually doesn't sing on that entire album. I think the guitarist sings on quite a few tracks as well, but, um, there's still, it's still a really great one to check out. Um, but yeah, with that, you guys will, we'll 
we'll leave it there. And, um, and uh, hopefully some of you average Joes out there can give this a, give Scott for a shot and maybe, maybe beyond. And maybe if you disagree with us, you can let us know on our social channels, uh, reach out to us on uh, Instagram or Twitter at ABG Joe music show and on Facebook at average Joe music show. Um, we're posting up a lot of stuff on there of current listenings and kind of just certain picks for new releases uh, on the weekend. So keep an eye out there. And we have little clips in our Instagram stories. So if you're wondering if some of these picks like that we choose, if you're following us on Twitter are for you, head to Instagram and just check out the story, the clips right there. So um, but with that, you guys, we'll close out the show. And uh, thanks for thanks for joining us for these past few minutes. And I hope you get to enjoy some scott walker and for sure to check out our past couple episodes as well <laughs> we've kind of got a really good rhythm going right now and um had a great kanye west episode and uh, hardcore the on the last one so if you haven't listened to those definitely go check those out because uh they're a lot of fun and even if you might not relate to either kanye west or hardcore uh, like, I think that there's some stuff in there that it's just fun to hear about. Um, it's particularly, I think, in that hardcore episode. There's just like, it's fun to hear about like where that all came from. So definitely go back and give some of our old, uh, our recent episodes a check. And um, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye bye. RIP Scott Walker. <laughs> Seriously.